You're listening to Our Tunes. Music appreciation and digital media discourse. Welcome to Our Tunes. I'm Lewis. Hey, Lewis. I'm Brad. Hey. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Brad? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Brad. It's January. That's crazy. I feel like there's something I wanted to ask you. Oh, yeah. Um, what have you been listening to? Well, I've been really in this deep, dark hole of nostalgia. Ooh. Um, that been, sounds hard. I've been working through this like list of top 90s songs, and it's been really just, it's felt so good, but it's it's like I can't get away from it. It's like I need you to help me break free of this nostalgia. Maybe yeah. we need to like start digging into like my archives of yeah. iTunes material. We should, we should lean into it. We should embrace it. The only way out is through. Uh, even today, I've listened to Steal My Sunshine like three or four times. I was lying on the grass a Sunday morning of last week, indulging in my self-defeat. My mind was like Dolly's birds all twisted around the beat. A comfortable three feet deep. That's a lot of times. I know, and it's it's just been helping me get through. The... Have you come to any understanding about this song and the process of listening to it on repeat? No. I remember listening to this song when it came out, and I thought it was groundbreaking. I'm feeling the nostalgic bug when I hear it. I'm like, there's something, there's some sort of synapses firing. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, it's not as good as I remember it. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this nostalgia is weak. Yeah. Weak sauce. Um, Nonetheless, I found this playlist on Spotify. It was a Pitchfork mm-hmm. Top 250 1990s songs. And, and that song is, I guess, 250 so- songs. It still shouldn't be on there. <laughs> I mean, I bet that's a pretty fun list to listen to, though. Even the Top 40 hits are, are for sure. Oh, bring, yeah. Bring back some memories. Some Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Primo era smashing. Yeah, um, nine inch nails. Just hearing a list of like songs from the 90s makes me feel like the whole idea of listening to music on a like a decade basis it would do the music more justice if it was like more coherently packaged with its like yeah. zeitgeist the very arbitrary nature of grouping it by year is like that's the best system we have as humans and it's pathetic it decontextualizes everything that's going on in a period of time right to just be like totally arbitrary have you been listening to anything more highbrow? <laughs> it's a low bar with Steal My Sunshine. Uh, <laughs> I've been pretty into this new Emperor X album. Emperor X is a pretty prolific musician. My buddy Jeff told me about 
this new record that he was putting out, a one-man band typically, he put out a new album called The Lakes of Zones B and C. Just very colorful imagery, frantic, very wordy, super engrossing and interesting to listen to. I really like Communists and Luxury as a track on this album. It's really good. I try to help, but I have to work an extra shift. I brave the boring dawn. We all got Omicron. And no one cares but they'll live to regret it. We must quit. We're Communists and Luxury. Whether we know it or not. We all inherited compressed ideals. But don't make any sense. No, we can live it up. The tracks are very varied, I would say. Some of them are like much more stripped down. Some of them are like rock songs. So that's something I've been really into. But I've also kind of been doing a victory lap on stuff from last year that I really liked, particularly Tiny Desk and Late Night performances. There's a Tiny Desk performance from a couple months back of Alex G, who put out one of my favorite records last year, God Save the Animals. He's never done a Tiny Desk before, and people have been clamoring for it, and it's really good. Highly recommend that. Also, The Smile, which is the new like Radiohead side project from last year, they also did a Tiny Desk, and it's great. You know, I've maybe seen some clips of a Tiny Desk, but mm -hmm. I don't know that I've watched like a whole one. What about the format of Tiny Desk makes it unique or special? It's an intimate setting for sure. It's literally an office. Bob Boylan, who's the All Songs Considered host of, at NPR, he works in this office space and his particular desk and corner is packed with music memorabilia. And he's been doing this for like probably close to 20 years, if not more at this point. If you look up a playlist of, of artists, you're bound to find someone that you like and then someone that's completely different. The breadth of artists that he's had at the desk is really impressive. A couple microphones. Sometimes there's live drums, but oftentimes whoever's a percussionist in a band will just like play like shakers or something. So I think it forces bands to like kind of reimagine some of their songs and to perform them in this different format. Again, an intimate setting. It's like all the office workers for NPR just like gather around and watch. I'm sure that would be an awesome thing to have in your office like and at any moment, you know? Maybe I'll just pitch a tiny desk like <laughs> project at my work. It's a great idea. Your work doesn't have a music department yet. I think you're the music department <laughs> at your job. <laughs> well, Lewis, I think you have effectively brought me out of this deep hole of <sighs> 90s nostalgia. Hallelujah. Because I would like to bring some highbrow thoughts on an artist that I've been listening to. I apologize to the world if I'm butchering this name. It's an artist that goes by the name Felbum. F-E-L-B-M. I was listening to an album on Spotify and I kept playing similar stuff and this guy's album Tape 2 started playing.
I've loved it, and I've not been able to stop listening to this as well. He's a Dutch musician with a predilection for gentle instrumental music, <laughs> which is right up my alley. Yeah. There's songs that sound like something inspired by uh, Feel Good Lost. There's songs Ooh. that sound like they're inspired by Boards of Canada. It's um, like a good, healthy mixture of like ambient, like textured music. Yeah, totally. Cool. Some guitar stuff. Yeah, he's got a few albums out, and I've been enjoying all of them. Nice. A little bit more highbrow than Steal My Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably different. I was flying on the bench, sliding sure we get to reprise one of my favorite segments from season one of our show which is shuffle and this time we're shuffling brad's library very nervous i uh, don't be it's it's cool yeah i don't know there's probably some recordings on there that i'm probably wouldn't want the public to hear but it's okay if you have all those rough cuts of steal my sunshine on your computer Brad. <laughs> ready to give it a spin you guys ready Yep. Yeah, give it a go. Boop, 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 boop. This sounds really cool. Very airy, big pianos. can say that i'm enjoying this yeah this definitely feels uh maybe not dissimilar from what you're describing before like the style of feldum yeah big airy piano and stuff yeah i was kind of thinking like is this like a grizzly bear track yeah it does have that little percussion there's live percussion right I don't have any guesses, honestly. I'm like stumped. Hold on. Uh, it's great though. Yeah. I'm really into it. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to know? Yeah. Yeah. So the artist is The Field. Oh, oh wow. This is not what I think of with The Field. The track title is Then It's White. Uh, well, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah, that was really wonderful. Cue up another one. As we stroll along together, holding hands, walking all alone. So in love are we too that we don't know what to do. So in love, in a world our own. As we scroll by the sea. This is nice. It's like acapella, like kind wow. of like gospel track. This is like Brad's cheesiest hits. <laughs> I'm, I'm so about it. It's it's so great, and not like I would ever have in my listening habits. Kind of. I don't know. I'm gonna guess like I don't know. The, is it the Drifters? So uh, this artist, I don't know. It is from an album called Hits from 1963, <laughs> but the artist is called Times. T-Y-M-E-S. Mm, okay. Uh, and the track is So Much In Love. Yeah. 
That's so, that's lovely. So, so it, it's so funny. So I was definitely like, there was a period where I was really trying to track down hits from the early 60s. When you start listening to popular music pre-Beatles, you start to really recognize what the Beatles brought to the table. The, the like, leap in production value. <laughs> yes. And while some of the early stuff was kind of corny, popular music before them was, like, way more corny. Very rote, like... Yeah, like, yeah. our love is a love you could love. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, whoa. <laughs> Mint that one and yeah. press it and send it out. <laughs> this That's... is my favorite song. <laughs> it's about love. Um, uh, nonetheless, I really love the vibe. Yeah. That was a great track. So much in love. The Avalanches? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, off of their big album from 2000. Um... I'm guessing it's called Avalanche Rock. <laughs> yeah, you got it! <laughs> Yo, you won, Brad. Yeah. That is a 23-second track. Nice. Hey, I was really into that album. I think I probably listened to that album before I heard Donuts by Jay Dilla. So, mm. like, it was kind of the first album that I had heard where it was really an album showcasing, mashing, and mixing all of these different things together in, like, really cool creative ways. Yeah. What's, what's the name of the album? Uh, since I left you. Since I left you, yeah. yeah. And that opening track is just awesome. Cool. I feel like we should do one more at least. Yeah, a bonus one because Brad Brad guessed it <laughs> and it was short. I got one. I hear a chair squeaking. around the floor. It sounds, uh... What do you think it's a bed squeaking? Whoa! <laughs> oh, interesting. This is some really ripping accordion playing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna guess there was a period where I was trying to track down Balkan music. <laughs> um... <laughs> Is this from that period? Yeah. So I don't. So, so I think it was Boban Markovich was the person who I got into originally, and he he's like a famous trumpeter. This is not him, but I'm trying to. There was another. Oh. All right. So this is <laughs> wow. the artist is called a hawk and a hat. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Do you know them? Well, yeah. the they guy the, the guy from this band played the horns on that Neutral Milk Hotel record. I'm pretty sure he arranged all of, like, the non-guitar tracks on that. Like, he he also plays the saw. Like, he has tracks where he plays a singing saw, but he's yep. definitely fluent in all of those, like, Balkan-style, like, instruments and style of playing, I think. That album and uh, I think Beirut maybe had come out with an yeah. album right around the same time. I want to say he might have worked with Beirut, too. The fact that they were getting exposure in the indie rock blogosphere and magazines was probably how I came across Boban Markovich. You want to play a? You want to play one of those songs real yeah, quick? Bobich. Boban. Boban. B O B A N. 
I don't know. Pick one. I'm There's sure. There's one called Balkan There you go. <laughs> That'll give you the flavor. This will get you pumped. I love like the kind of like breakbeat. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I feel like I read somewhere like wherever Boban's from. Like, I, I know it's somewhere in the Balkans. I don't know if it's if he's Serbian. Like, apparently there's like prestigious titles for like being like the top trumpeter. When we're done here, I'm gonna try and look at my comments. And see. <laughs> there might be some weird things in there that the get like, info I, button. I feel like this dude loves marching bands. Like he's gotta <laughs> love them so much. <laughs> this is homework. Well, Brad, I'm definitely ready to talk about the homework you assigned to me, which is this wonderful Brazilian album by Novos Baianos. All right, um, I'm very excited to hear what you think. So many thoughts. So this album is called Akubu Corare. That's my really bad uh, Portuguese pronunciation right there. So I did a little diving, of course, because I wanted to know what the context of this album was, culturally, geopolitically, etc. Wow. It buoyed the record even more. This is a very lively album of mm -hmm. music, and it was really cool to know the conditions in which it was created. This album and band are considered part of the Tropicalia movement in Brazil, which occurred in like the 60s and 70s, and it was a reaction to like Brazil had a failed dictatorship, and there was a lot of unrest. In a lot of ways, this movement is very punk. You have people who are reacting to shitty government or shitty living conditions and poverty, and they're doing that through musical expression. But yeah, it made me think about how much pop music of the world we're not privy to generally, not exposed to, unless we like go looking for it. So this album came out in 1972, was the second album by Novos Paianos, and their, their name in Portuguese means New Bahians, which is a reference to their hometown, which Brazil's a very big country, right? It's not a monolith mm -hmm. by any means. So they're from Salvador, which is like an east coast major province of Brazil, and the capital is Bahia, mm -hmm. where they're all from. Yeah. So that's kind of what brings them together. The title of the album translates to Ended Up Crying, hmm. which is extremely emo, and I was really wow. loving that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I never, I never looked that up. Interesting. And it's, it's also funny that it is that, because the music is by no means... There is some melancholy in there, but it's mostly very high mm -hmm. energy, very, totally. very busy music. Listening through this album, the songs are so varied broad instrumentation first track that really like stood out to me was Presha Preshinha mm -hmm. which is the second track Enquanto eu corria assim eu ia me chamar Enquanto corria a barca me chamar Enquanto corria a barca me chamar Enquanto corria a barca later reprised on the album for a second time because I think it's just like that good. This song really stood out because it has a very slow build and starts with just like one guitar, some melancholic singing. I looked up some of the lyrics and it was hard to do. Like it's hard to just find a good translation of somebody's artful 
totally. writing. But I was able to figure out that this song refers to a person kind of longingly running after a boat that's getting away, that has someone that they care for on the boat. And they're calling that person by their nickname, which the title of the song means Black Blackie, which I guess is just a endearment term. I don't mm. know. It's a song of yearning, a song of like longing and, yeah, and it, like a goodbye. It is one of the more ballady songs on yeah. the album. That stripped down beginning kind of erupts into a point like later in the song. It's like a six minute song. So like close to the end, you just feel the tension like kind of ramping up and there's like more like frantic playing. It adds a lot of like percussion layers and they're kind of just repeating the refrain. One word that I encountered in the refrain is sodade, mm-hmm. which is a uniquely Portuguese concept for a deep nostalgia and a melancholic yearning doesn't really have an English equivalent. I feel like maybe there's something about this in Brazilian culture and art in general. This is just an element of artwork that people can identify and describe. And so it's not just in the song. It's not just in music. It can be felt in any way when you're moved by something in this way that you feel so that you know. In anticipation of this, uh, hearing you discuss this today, I was like, Man, I really wish I had looked up what these lyrics meant. Because <laughs> it was I've, hard. I've never, yeah, I've never done it. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I've already stated before, like I'm not. Lyrics are not something I'm generally gravitated towards. But I've listened to this album so many times that I, uh, you know, I concur with what you were saying. It was sort of about the context in which it was made. You know, it would seem that the lyrical content is really important. Yeah. For you know the time and place. Obviously, I wasn't able to like find an album's worth of decent translations, but like songs that I really identified with i like dug in and tried to find out kind of a little more about what was going on dramatically in like the middle of this album you get like a huge shift towards more more of the rock influence like you hear, you hear your first like electric guitar samba music is a big big part of like mm-hmm. brazilian culture right so these guys took samba and infused it with like really wild rocking guitars and it's awesome I noticed that there's not a lot of traditional rock rhythm section going on most of the time, right? The instrumentation is much more varied. There's like triangle, there's Mm -hmm. like, you know, all these other interesting percussion instruments like bongos and stuff. You know, they were kind of like counterculture Mm -hmm. musicians, you know, kind of like hippies almost. And And I feel like I've read that they were, in the time that they were making this music, they were kind of living almost like in a commune sort of setting. Yeah. And so I'm just like imagining like... Drum circle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um... That's definitely the energy you feel on some of these tracks, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's not super rare. The kind of actually frantic, almost live feeling of some of these songs does come through really well in this recording, which I don't think for the time was common. Yeah, and I really feel like the musicianship is really high. Yeah. Like the guitar, particularly the guitarists are yeah. just like really good. And I mean, it's probably, I'm guessing that's why Joao Gilberto was, you know, in, enthused by the stuff they were making. Yeah. You know? He was probably in the studio just like, these guys rip. Yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure at that time, I'm guessing he would have been in his like 50s. One of the other tracks that definitely was huge for me was Mysterio do Planeta. Andando por todos os cantos e pela lei natural dos encontros Eu deixo e recebo um tanto e passo aos olhos nus Ou vestidos de lunetas, passado, presente Participo sendo o mistério do planeta O tríplice mistério do stop Que eu passo por e sendo ele no que fica em cada um A folk prog, like, kind of thing Where, again, you start with 
a much more bobbing, floating, open beginning of the song. And then towards the end, you're getting into a truly psychedelic, wild guitar solo. I had to look up the lyrics on this one, too, because I was just like, what is going on? What's what's happening? They're very existential lyrics. It's like, here I am, like I'm on the street. I turn a corner, navigating the world that you live in as Brazil is in turmoil. I'm taking a long walk to take my mind like off of things, and I'm just feeling the world around me. It all kind of shakes together to give you a picture of where these guys were, what they were experiencing at this time. I was fortunate to find a couple videos. I found an OG music video from the 70s mm-hmm. of them playing this. And I think it's not like a studio recording. It's like there's video of them playing this live. And yeah, they're total hippies, very long hair, shirtless, like rocking these guitars, like outside. Mm-hmm. It looks very much like Pink Floyd, Pompeii almost situation. And I also found there's a 2015 performance of them because they did a reunion. The whole group of them is still like just going really strong, playing this super high energy music with so much intensity and probably... 70s getting up there in age at that point they bring the same level of energy and they bring the dynamics like that crescendo in the song really comes through the set dressing is awesome Highly even even in the in the recent oh yeah yeah version? i'm talking oh, about yeah because it's like high production right the old mm-hmm. video is like you can tell what's going on but it's extremely old mm-hmm. and the the camera quality is like low and it's cool to have as an artifact and like look at them and be like whoa being able to see like kind of their vision once they've faded out a little bit that they're still bringing it with that same vigor. The last one I wanted to highlight was definitely what you were saying about the guitar work. It's so crazy good in so many different ways, right? The electric guitar, I obviously love like the tone they're using. The one track, uh, Um Belete Pra Didi. many different guitars as rhythm section almost crazy tremolo guitar that's like playing with all these like pulling off these notes creates this like rhythmic backing beat that traditional like percussion can't make like these types of sounds wild breakdown there's somebody like beating a triangle and it feels like there's a lot of different kinds of guitars too right there's electric guitar there's like a classical guitar i think there's like a 12 string going on and then there's these brazilian guitars craviola which is like the classical one and then there's uh, another one i looked up called the cavaquinho which is like a cousin of a ukulele okay it's all about that the mission statement of this album which was ended up crying shows a lot of the the melancholy but it's juxtaposed with the extremely joyful nature of most of this music like it's extremely uplifting it's very major chord structured and it feels just like it feels so good it's got driving pulse. It's upbeat and sort of tone. It's got some frenetic parts mm-hmm. that are fun, not stressful frenetic, but like like organized chaos almost. Yeah, um, it's very it's very, so dense, right? There's yeah. just so much happening. And it's all happening like pulsing together right, mm-hmm. on the level. Yeah, my sort of introduction to Brazilian music was definitely through like the jazz sort of vein mm. of Jobim and Gilberto. Rock music from like UK and the US was making its way down to Brazil, and like Hendrix. And... Yeah, and and it was it was really cool to hear that sort of psychedelic rock and roll influence mixing with 
bossa nova and samba yeah it's really cool because rock psychedelic music we listen to largely in a similar vein like maybe they'd feed off of each other but it was almost like the brazilian scene carved out its own path while they had influences there was still like a very like brazilian aspect of it samba bossa nova i would say that's like a time period (laughs) where like america is trying to figure out what their cultural identity really is and brazil's like no we've had this for a very long time (laughs) and okay we'll throw some rock and roll in it if that's what you guys want yeah what made you choose this album obviously it's great but um it's one of my favorites i knew it was going to be one that we were going to talk about at some point so nailed it um i know in terms of trying to pick different genres that maybe you have not had the chance to like listen to yeah like i knew that this was the album that was going to be for the brazilian music yeah (laughs) i think that was a very good call yeah i'm wondering what you might be tasking me for oh well as it stands we will both be tasked we will both be tasked my friend evan who i've uh, shared a lot of wonderful musical recommendations back and forth with he was in town last week and unfortunately we didn't have time to record with him live but i get a voicemail from him so yeah let's give it a listen Hey guys, this is Evan, first time caller, long time listener. The homework assignment I want to give you all this week is a record called Plays Pretty for Baby by the band Nation of Ulysses, which came out in 1992 on Discord Records. So this record is fun, it's brash, it's pretty pretentious and definitely juvenile. Um, It was produced by Ian Mackay of Fugazi and Discord Records. And there's a lot going on in this thing. There's a lot of uh, post-hardcore. There's a lot of jazz references. There's a lot of trumpet. Um, the introduction song, the intro, is basically a spoken word of the spoke Zarathustra, and it goes right into this like high-energy, unrelenting kind of song. Um, there's a song later in the record that's this like lo-fi jazz number um so it's very interesting there's plenty to talk about so i'm interested to hear what you have to say and excited and uh enjoy can't wait to check in with evan about next week and have him give us the lowdown yeah thanks evan 92 back to the 90s yeah this is not gonna just make when i was list, getting now yeah this, <laughs> this music is definitely the opposite of uh Steal any, my any top 40 yeah <laughs> thanks for listening to our tunes the show is co-hosted by brad lanute and myself lewis weil produced by rob hughes can follow us on instagram at artunes podcast or on twitter at artunes pod give us a shout drop us a recommendation watch the weird video links and memes that i retweet thank you <laughs> thanks Lewis. thanks for listening everybody i think they were just like doing a lot of um they look like a from the music video i would guess the people who were doing like uh whippets speed freak oh yeah they look like they look like the whippet crowd yeah